What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple, the destination for the Houdat Nation. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report and follow me on Instagram at Saints underscore podcast. Now let's get into it. Let's talk about the most important game of the season so far for the Saints, and it's the wild card matchup. Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints, a rematch of the NFC Divisional Round two years ago where everyone knows uh, how that one ended with the Minneapolis Miracle and my first thing that I want to talk about, besides going into previews, matchups to watch, who's going to win this game, what I'm looking forward to, and the injury report, I just want to talk about the, the headline story of what's going on with this matchup. And the biggest news um, revolving it is what Cam Jordan said a couple of days ago on Rich Eisen's show. And he was asked about what Dalvin Cook they're going to get. And he said, well, it depends on what Kirk Cousins we get. And what he meant is what everyone knows, is that there's games where Kirk Cousins is a really, really good quarterback, and there are games where... There's a lot left to be desired, and you're sitting there going, is he worth the money? Is he a choke artist? Whatever you want to call it. And it makes sense. And I don't think Cam is wrong with what he said, but is he wrong for saying it's a different subject? And here's how I look at it. But without getting people annoyed, um, because I know a lot of you guys are very confident in the sense that you're fine with trash talking to other teams, and that's cool. It's fine. It's whatever you're up to. But I just didn't think it was smart from the perspective that you, now you have to make sure you play your best game of the year. And now Cam could, because Cam is that damn good. You can make an argument. He's a defensive player of the year. You can make an argument. Do I think he'll win it? No, but I can make a very strong case for the man. He's got to play well now. You put a target on your back. You give them bulletin board material, as you like to say. But something that should be said about the Saints team is when they say they're going to do something, they usually do it. Remember what Alvin Kamara said after last two years ago when they got knocked out by Minnesota. He said the biggest reason that he was upset was because if they beat Minnesota, he said we would have beat the expletive out of Philly. And the Saints played Philly the following season, and they beat them 48-7. to And then the Saints played Philly in the playoffs, and they beat them then to advance the NFC Championship game. What the Saints have more than any other year, they have guys that aren't afraid to voice their opinion, but they also back it up. Because at the end of the day, this is a 13-3 and football team. And I think that's important to note. And again, like I said, do I think Cam was out of line? Maybe. But I don't think he was necessarily wrong with what he said. Um, as for the second thing Cam said, he said the, mini, uh, you know, the Minnesota Miracle, everyone keeps talking about it. It was about two years ago and five quarterbacks later for them. And yet again, that's just frustration. Neither team wants to hear about the Minnesota Miracle. The Saints don't want to hear about it, and the Vikings don't want to hear about it. Mike Zimmer was asked about it by a reporter, and he's sitting there saying, you know, we got to focus on this Saints team. The reality is the media has to do a better job. These are two ridiculously talented teams with a strong rivalry when it comes to playoff football. And you keep asking about 2017? Screw that. Ask about this game. Ask Zimmer what he has to do to beat this Saints team. Ask the Saints players what they have to do to beat this Vikings team. What's different? What's, you know, what's the same? And instead, people are just focusing in on a game that's over with. 
The Saints didn't win a Super Bowl that year. The Vikings didn't win a Super Bowl that year. Who the hell cares? And I'm not saying this to be bitter. It's just, I think the media, when it comes to this game, has done a shit job covering it. I think they've been god-awful. I don't think they've given you any good analysis. I don't think they've given you any good sound bites from the players. And they're just trying to stir up controversy, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And, and that's all I have to r- really say about that. Now, keying back to what Cam said about Kirk Cousins. There's a lot of conversations about what type of quarterback he is. Here's what I know about him. He plays well in the 1 p.m. slot. Plays well against the Saints. Or historically, he's played well against the Saints. Two of those matches being against the Redskins, he won. I mean, sorry, one and one in those two. And then Minnesota last year where he didn't play that well, but his numbers still looked good. And they ended up losing on Sunday Night Football. So Kirk Cousins statistically plays well against the Saints. Statistically plays well at 1 p.m. Does not play well against 500 or better teams. And he does not play well on the road against playoff teams. Something's got to give. That's two two that go well and two that go, you know, I'll say south for him. So that's going to be important. What's also important is what Kirk Cousins you get from a psychological standpoint. And that's why maybe there's a method to Cam Jordan's madness here. When Kirk Cousins is defeated mentally, you can tell early. He misses a couple of throws and all of a sudden he just doesn't seem confident in himself. But when he's got it rolling, you could tell. He'll start dancing in the end zone if they score. You'll see him very loose on the sidelines. He has a chance to, you know, eliminate all the doubters, but he also has a chance to prove everyone right. And I think it's a 50-50 split. I'm not leaning anywhere towards, you know, Kirk's going to have a good game or anywhere towards saying he's going to have a bad game because you just don't know what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. But let me move past the Vikings quarterback, and let's talk about the injury report, what I like, what I don't like for either team. Um, and then on the second half of the show, I'll give you my preview. I'll let you know what to key in on, what's going to be the difference, who's going to win the game. And of course, I know you guys are going to want to stay for that part. So let's just get through the injury report and see what's going on for the Vikings. Eric Kendrick, Eric Kendricks, excuse me, limited. That's important. I can't tell you if he's going to play. If I had a bet, I would say he would because it's the most important game of the year, but I don't know because a quad injury that he suffered two games ago. That lingers. We saw Kiko Alonso miss way more time than we anticipated. You know, he missed the 49ers game. Then he came back, and I believe he missed the Colts game. And then I believe... Did he miss the Titans game? I can't remember, honestly. I think he missed the Titans game as well, and then came back. Yeah, he missed the Titans game, and then they had him in the lineup. So he missed three games. Let's say Kendricks' injury is somewhat close. He missed the Bears game, got a week of rest because of that Bears game. It doesn't add up. So if he plays, and I think he is, he's not going to be at 100%. And that's huge because Eric Hendricks is the best cover linebacker, in my opinion, in the sport. And what the Saints have are guys who usually match up against linebackers. Alvin Kamara, match him up at a linebacker. Jared Cook sometimes will get matched up at the linebacker. Can the Saints early, if Kendricks is playing, test his quad and see if he can handle it? And if he's not playing, test the backup. See what he can do. Because I don't care how talented guys are in this league, the drop-off between Eric Kendricks and whoever's second on the depth chart is going to be significant. So I think that's something to watch for. Someone who, unless he pl- he practices on Friday, is most likely going to be out for the Vikings, is Mackenzie Alexander, their slot corner. That is huge. Because if Mackenzie Alexander doesn't, doesn't play, you immediately, immediately have a mismatch. Because Michael Thomas moves everywhere. You throw him in the slot, you throw him outside, but you throw him in the slot, and they don't even have their starting slot corner. They might have to throw Mike Hughes on the inside when he's really an outside corner. You throw Mike Hughes, an outside cornerback, in the slot, he's probably going to get beat from a physical standpoint. 
let's say you throw Xavier Rhodes in the slot, he's probably just going to get beat because Michael Thomas owns him. I think that's going to be something to watch. What happens with Mackenzie Alexander? And also Mike Hughes, I just mentioned him. He was a full practice on Wednesday and then downgraded a limited on a Thursday. And sometimes when that happens, it could mean nothing. It could mean something. But there is always the chance of a guy getting hurt in practice. And all of a sudden, you're running out of time to get healthy for the game and they miss it. Like it's happened before to teams. I think Hughes would play just judging off what the media was saying and all the quotes and, and what I've read from all the reporters. But Mackenzie Alexander is going to need a miracle to play. And Eric Kendricks, if he does play, and I believe he will, will not be 100%. Now let's shift over to the Saints because, again, that's what we're you know here to focus about. The secondary should almost be full in terms of health. The only guy they're going to miss is Eli Apple. I can't see him playing. He didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. And you know what? The Saints are so deep in the secondary that I think right now there's a game to get through it. You can get through it because you still got Marshawn. You still got Patrick Robinson. You still got P.J. Williams. And you still got Janoris Jenkins just for your corner. So you got four corners who you can rely on. Look in the safeties. Von Bell, full practice. He's ready to go. And Nader just told me on Twitter, and I believe every word he has to say, he said he, that Nader said he was told Von Bell was held out for week 17. He could have played, but they just held him out because, you know, keeping him for the playoffs. For him to be a full practice, I think he's ready to go. Marcus Williams, same thing with him. Full practice, I think he's ready to go. So you have your two safeties, but then you also have the luxury of moving C.J. Gardner-Johnson around the field. And I think this kid is special. I think what the Saints can now do in three safety sets, you can get Gardner-Johnson towards the line of scrimmage and let him wreak havoc on the Vikings, hopefully, this Sunday. So that would be really fun to watch. But overall, this is a pretty healthy team. I know they've battled injuries this year, but I don't want to hear that as an excuse at all for this team because most of their key guys are ready. Not having Davenport stings, not having Rankin stings, but that's it. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear Anzalone because he hasn't played the entire year. I don't want to hear any other complaints about injuries. This team is relatively healthy. And if you think injuries is an excuse, I really don't want to hear it because their O-line is ready to go. Most of their secondary is ready to go. Their offensive skill players are ready to go. Drew Brees is ready to go. No excuses here. This is a healthy team. This is a really healthy team in terms of playoff Um you know, when you get to the playoffs, everyone's banged up. So for you to have these guys ready to go, and if you lose any key contributors, it's Eli Apple and Zach Line. You can live with it, and you'll find a way to get past it. But that's the injury report for this week leading into the Saints-Vikings game. Now, when we come out of the break, I'm going to talk about my preview for it, what matchups to tune into, and who's going to win this game, because obviously you guys want to know if the Saints will advance to the next round or not into the NFC Divisional Round. But all that coming up right after this short message. And welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Once again, it's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Now, let's dive into this game, Saints-Vikings. And I want to be real clear with you guys. I think we're going to be able to tell what type of game this is going to be midway through the first quarter. We'll be able to tell if the Saints are going to come out with their hair on fire and just steamroll the Vikings, or we're going to come out and see we're going to be in for a nail-biter, which is almost every Saints playoff game. And I hope, for my sake, for your sake, for everyone's listening's sake, this isn't a nail-biter because they've had so many stressful playoff games. The fans can use one where they say, we're, we're confident in this team. We got this. Let's roll on to next week. The odds of that happening are probably slim in the playoffs, but if it's going to happen, like a Saints-Lions game from 2011 or a Saints-Cardinals game from 2009, I would like to see that happening. I don't know if it will. I don't necessarily think it will, 
but I think we will get a very clear indication of where this game's going to go. And hopefully for your sake, it's not a stressful one. Now let's dive into what's going to matter, which matchups are going to be important for me. Arguably the most important is the battle in the trenches. Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin versus Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. I'm going to give it to you straight, guys. When the Saints lost to the Vikings the first time, Armstead was embarrassed, in my opinion, by Everson Griffin. Now, Armstead was very injured that year. He's not as he's not as banged up this time around. Griffin's two years older. His sack production is still pretty good, about eight and a half this year. But the year in 2007 when the Vikings went on that run, uh, 2017, excuse me, Griffin had 13 and a half. So obviously, he's not as good of a player as he was back then. However, Daniil Hunter, in my opinion, is better this year than Griffin has ever been in his career. He's putting up great numbers. He has 14 and a half sacks. He's a speed rusher, but he also has power. And I think the way Ramchek goes up against him might decide it all. And we've seen this year, Ramchek has eliminated a lot of good players. Chandler Jones led the league in sacks. Ramchek eliminated him. Shaq Barrett, one of the best sack artists in the game this year, eliminated him. Khalil Mack, didn't hear from him. If Ramchek can do that, I am so certain if he can honestly do that, we're talking about very close to maybe even guaranteeing a Saints win. If Ramchek and, and Armstead can neutralize those two pass rushers, I think that gives them a really good advantage. And the positive for the Saints is I talked about all these elite pass rushers that Ramchek's gone up again. Let's talk about what the Saints a month ago went up against. The 49ers threw Bosa and Ford at them. And don't forget, the 49ers also have Armstead in the middle and Buckner in the middle. That, to me, is the best D-line they've played in football, the 49ers D-line. And they did a good job. Drew Brees got the ball out quick. He didn't take too many hits. He was precise. That game plan, if they can just copy that and throw it into here, and I know every game changes based on your opponent, but what I mean from a pass protection standpoint, if you can replicate that performance, we're talking about a win in that category for the Saints, and that would be huge, and we'll see if that happens. Next up, Michael Thomas versus the Vikings secondary. I'm not going to pinpoint a corner because I don't know if they're going to throw Rhodes. I don't know if they're going to throw Waynes. I don't know if they're going to throw Mike Hughes. I don't know if they're going to throw Harrison Smith to bump him. I don't know who they're going to throw at him, but they're going to rotate guys because if they leave one man on an island with Michael Thomas, have fun. And if you're going to sit back and play zone, which could happen with a, with a, a Zimmer defense, good luck on that as well. And I think the Eagles learned the hard way last year in the divisional round. What happens if you don't give Michael Thomas the respect he deserves? He's going to beat you every single play, every single drive, every single quarter. And then you look up at the box score and he finishes with about 10 catches for a buck 50 and a touchdown. And you're like, what the hell just happened? That could happen with the Vikings. And that's why I think it's important. We all knew Michael Thomas was going to be good. Most of us knew he would be a great player. We didn't think he was going to be as good. You could say you thought so, but to see the numbers he's put up, there's no way you could sit here and tell me he would break a reception record for all time. He'd have, you know, 1,600 plus yards in a season. Michael Thomas is has blown away any expectations set for him. His coming out party, not for Saints fans, but for the national media, was against the Vikings in, the, in that uh, 2017 playoff game. The second half, what he did against Xavier Rhodes, and that was the year where Xavier Rhodes was arguably the best cornerback in football. Everyone was saying Rhodes closed. This man is amazing. And he was a good corner that year. Michael Thomas beat him down in the second half. He had two touchdowns. And Rhodes was just getting frustrated. You could tell the whole game he had no answer for number 13. Situation's different now. Michael Thomas is the big dog. And Xavier Rhodes, we could say what we want about him being physical and tall, and he's got all the intangibles. He's not the same player anymore. And that comes with age. And that also comes with just people learning what your tendencies are and what you give up. But Rhodes is now 29. 
As a 27-year-old, he played his best football. That is not the case anymore. Michael Thomas, if he can do what he did last time against Minnesota Secondary, again, another check mark for the Saints. Now, I alluded to this earlier, Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks versus Alvin Kamara, that's a matchup right there. How banged up is Kendricks if he plays? Again, let's assume he's playing here because he's so good and he's important for the Vikings. If Kendricks plays, you have to test him out early. Can Kendricks run step-for-step step with Kamara? And if he can't, that would make it a long day for the Vikings. If he can run step-to-step, step-for-step with Kamara, then we got to talk about what do the Saints do to you know utilize AK and free him open. And then if so, and Kendricks is with him and they're putting extra help to stop Kamara, who's the man that's going to benefit from that? It would probably be Jared Cook. So I think there's definitely stuff there to, to look forward to. I would say this. This one might be a you know, break it even because there was times where Minnesota just flat out stopped him, Kamara, during the 2017 game. And then you look back and you put on the 2018 tape. And I think the Saints kind of figured out the way that they want to use Kamara. Get him on a couple of pitch plays. Get him towards the outside on option routes. I think those are going to be the way, the ways to use him in this game because not only can they throw Kendricks at him, they can throw a couple of slot corners at him if they want to. They have the depth. Anthony Barr, not, you know, I'm not saying Anthony Barr is Eric Kendricks, but Anthony Barr is also an elite athlete. They have guys who in space can make plays. And that's what makes the Vikings dangerous. I know their defense is not as good as it was because in 2017, I thought it was the best defense in football. Now it's really just a middle of the pack defense and they're older. It's basically the same unit, just older. There are chances to exploit them. And I think the Saints will find that, but that's going to be an important matchup to watch. Now let's flip it to the other side of the football, what the defense needs to do against the offense of Minnesota. And my first matchup, and it's a big one, and it probably is going to decide this game. Lattimore and Jenkins versus Diggs and Thielen. I think why I hate the Minnesota matchup more than ever is because they're the only team in the NFC that has two really good wide receivers. Diggs is great. Thielen's great. And you got to stop at least one of them to give yourself a really good chance of winning this game. And it all depends on who you think should match up with the other. This is what I would say about this game. If Adam Thielen has not recovered much from week 16 to the playoffs, I think you put who I think you put Jenkins on him. I think you mix in the slot. You can put P, uh, Patrick Robinson. You can put PJ Williams. You can mix it around because Adam Thielen, with all due respect, the guy has been phenomenal for the last couple of seasons. He he's been hurt the last couple of weeks, and you saw it with his production. After that hamstring injury, his production completely dipped with the Vikings. The Packers game, he didn't have a catch. The Chargers game, three catches for 27 yards. He has not been the same since that hamstring injury. And I know he's not on the injury report. So they're saying that he's okay. And maybe, but you have to admit, it takes time for guys to get out of that injury slump. And we saw it with Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara struggled for a month after that ankle injury. And we were all saying, what's wrong with him? Adam Thielen has struggled the last couple of weeks. And if that carries over to the playoffs, I think it gives the Saints an easier option. Stick Lattimore on the really healthy wide receiver and take your chances with whoever's on Thielen. If not, and Thielen's 100% and he's looking good, I know fans don't want to hear this. I'd rather have Lattimore on Thielen because as good as Diggs is, you know what he wants to do. He wants to beat you vertically. Thielen will beat you with a post route. Thielen will beat you with an out route. Thielen will beat you with a drag. There's a lot of things that he can do where I think Diggs is an exceptional wide receiver, but Diggs from a route running standpoint is not nearly as good as Adam Thielen. So I think that's something to watch forward with this one and see what happens there. My second um, and probably final one for what this defense needs to do, and, and this one obviously no brainer here, can Demario Davis and Kiko Alonso, when Dalvin Cook gets past that D-line, finish the playoff? Can they clean it up and make sure that he does not run wild? 
Dalvin Cook's only played the Saints once. It was his rookie game, and he ripped that defense apart to shreds. But that defense is not that this defense. And Dalvin Cook, albeit a very good player, there's a reason he's not been as effective the last couple of weeks of the season as well, because he's hurt. And let's just look. After the Cowboys game, his production fell off a cliff. Against the Broncos, 11 carries for 26 yards. Against the Seahawks, 9 carries for 29 yards. Hurt his shoulder in that one. Against the Lions, 18 carries for 62 yards. Against the Chargers, 9 carries for 27 yards. Yet again, hurt his shoulder. So what they do, they sat him against the Packers. They sat him against the Bears. So he's had basically two and a half to three weeks to rest his shoulder. Is that enough time? You probably feel good after two and a half weeks. I won't deny that. But I'm telling you, sitting out two and a half weeks, resting and actually taking a shot in a playoff game is going to feel a lot different. And we'll see then how healthy he really is. The fact that he's on the injury report tells me that it's still a little bit of a nagging issue. And I I know, I don't think the Vikings have to worry about usage and stuff like that, but let's see if he can make it through the entire game. Because if Kiko's hitting him hard and Demario's hitting him hard and Von Bell's hitting him hard, he's going to feel it and it'll add up. And I think with shoulder injuries, it's scary to monitor those. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders had a shoulder injury from October and throughout the season, it kept lingering and he'd have good games here and there. But there's also times where he'd get banged up and it's like, I'm done for the game. You got to take him out. And I think that's going to be important to watch with Dalvin Cook. And I know instantly you're going to have these idiots say, oh, here comes the Saints bounty system. No, it's football. And they know he's hurt and they're going to make him feel it. There's nothing dirty about that. It's the game. And if it's going to give you an advantage of making sure that Cook does not want to continue to run into traffic, you take it. If DeMario can tackle uh, Cook, and he, and, and he can hit him hard with being clean, with going by the rule book, everything stated. What's wrong with that? At the end of the day, you're just trying to intimidate your defender without obvi- your you know your opponent without obviously being a douche. And, and Davis, one, would never hurt someone. And two, no guy's trying to get ejected in a playoff game. But the fact is, and if you can't accept it, Dalvin Cook's hurt. Dalvin Cook's shoulder's been an issue. You don't think they're going to try and jam him at the line of scrimmage and see how much that shoulder could take? And if not, you're crazy. It's playoffs, and they're going to do it. And just like they're going to do that, the Vikings are going to test Marcus Williams' groin and see if he can move deep. Like it's it's just science. It's not you know. There's not much to it. Just use logic on that one. And I, but I think it's going to be interesting. What can they do against Dalvin Cook? They've not let up a hundred yard rusher, and that streak's going to be important because if they continue to play like that, if they play the way they played against Christian McCaffrey against the Vikings, they're winning this game. If you stop Dalvin Cook and you make sure that he does not take over the game and he is not as big of a factor as he wants to be, guess what? The Vikings are one-dimensional. And if the Vikings are one-dimensional, you can key on things. You could key in on a receiver takeout, and then you're basically saying, Thiel, uh, you know, uh, Cousins, you got to play pitch and catch with Thiel in the rest of the game, and you better hope that's enough to win. And it probably isn't. So that's why it's all a trickle-down effect. You stop uh, Dalvin Cook, you make them take out the run, and more importantly, you make them take out the play-action pass which is where Cousins has been very dangerous. Out of all the keys, and I've probably said almost everyone's important, I'd say stopping uh, Dalvin Cook and the Hunter, and how does Ramchek and Armstead match up against Hunter and Griffin? Those for me would be the two important ones. Th- those are the important ones. And of course, as you'd expect, it's all about physical football in the playoffs. Your pass rush against your old lineman, and how does your defense play against one of the best running backs in football? And of course, those are two elements that you need for a Super Bowl run. Now, before I give my prediction for who's going to win this game, let's talk about the man. Let's talk about number nine, Drew Brees. A lot of people are nervous for this game, myself included. 
it comes with the territory of being a Saints fan. It comes with the territory of watching Saints playoffs game, playoff games. If there's a way to lose that's heartbreaking, it will happen. But, and I know a lot of people are worried because everyone's saying that, you know, the, the Saints are going to win. No one's taking the Vikings serious. Maybe the media thinks that. But don't think for a second that this Sean Payton team is sleeping at the wheel. And here's why I tell you this. The Saints had every excuse this season to mail it in. They were cheated out of a Super Bowl last year, and their franchise quarterback got injured in Week 2. Every excuse to mail it in and say, you know what? We didn't have it this year. It's, it's a long season. We didn't have it. We're hurt. You know, we, we lost the Super Bowl. We, we lost the Super Bowl opportunity the year before, and the year before that, the Minnesota miracle, and there's just so much adversity we can overcome, and they didn't mail it in. Went 5-0, as we know, with Teddy Bridgewater. Breeze comes back. They go through a couple of lumps here and there, and then all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks of the season, the light turns on. And this is the hottest team in football. It leads me to believe that this Saints team, I just think they've gone through so much that to say that they're a one-and-done playoff team is just ridiculous. I, I just think it is. And I don't want to believe that a team that has fought through the Minnesota Miracle, has fought through the no-call, fought through a Drew Brees injury that basically lasted over a month and a half, found a way to go 13-3, got screwed by not having a bye week, and they're going to let that be an excuse to not play well? They're just going to out overlook the Vikings? Absolutely not. The Saints overlooked the Falcons, and look where that got them. They're stuck at the three seed. They overlooked them, and that's the truth. And yet, since then, we've seen them play good football. And the and the Niners lost hurt. The Niners lost stung. They lost by two. They gave up a game-winning drive with like 50, what, 50 seconds left. I get it. Maybe that was the heartbreak this season. And they've been through a lot. And when you see Drew Brees and his look that he's given in the press conference, heck, if you see the video that they put up with him getting a haircut, you see the look he's given you. He's determined. And there's a couple of reasons that factor into this. Not only is Drew Brees a gamer, he is not trying to lose. He's obviously there to win the Super Bowl. Whether we want to admit it or not, this could be his last chance because you never know in the NFL. You never know when someone gets hurt. You never know when someone calls it quits. You just don't know. And maybe this is his last run for a Super Bowl. And with the way the team's played, I don't blame him if it is. He's looked as good as ever, too. And it's not just about, you know, it's one thing to look like you're all about your business and saying, you know, you're taking it serious and you're going to go out there and play your best football. And it's another thing to do it. And over the last four games, Drew Brees has thrown 15 touchdowns. He's got a QB rating of 132.2, a completion percentage of 75.9, and he's thrown for 1,188 yards during that four-game stretch. He has been the best quarterback in football over the last month. The playoffs are on the line here. He wants another Super Bowl. He has been so close to getting another Super Bowl ring. The team he's facing this weekend knocked him out in 2017 from a very good chance to win a Super Bowl. You don't think this stuff weighs on his mind? He sat there after 2018, didn't say a word for about a week, and then put out this long Instagram post about how he refuses to let the no-call define the Saints, and they will come back next year and be even better. And guess what? From certain metrics, the Saints were better this year. And for some reason... People are going to doubt them. People are going to say that they're going to get cocky. People are going to say that the Saints are overlooking them. People are going to say no one's giving Minnesota a chance, which is just freaking blasphemy. And yet, I'm sitting here to tell you, I refuse, and so should you, refuse to believe that this Saints team that has fought through injuries, fought through the BS from the refs on a weekly basis, has fought through a, a tough NFC, will just get knocked out in the first round. I just find that hard to believe. And the one thing I know about Sean Payton is he always finds a way to twist things and turn it into a motivational tactic. You don't think he's sitting there telling his guys, we didn't get a bye week, now we're going to make everyone else pay? Like, something like that. Turn it into, you know, 
those two teams got to relax and we got to play a game, well, we'll show them. Let's end it early and enjoy the rest of the game almost like it's a bye. They will find ways to do it. And the reason why I'm confident about this team, and this is my last thing before I give you my prediction all that, the Saints down the stretch had a couple of games where I think the 2018 team might have lost or the 2017 team might have lost. That Tennessee game on the road, they were down 14-0. They could have mailed it in. They didn't. The Panthers game, it could have been one of those games where the Lions beat the Packers, but the Saints don't take care of their business. No, they beat the crap out of the Panthers and just got to scoreboard watch for the next couple of hours because they handled their own business. The Colts game, an emotional night. Everyone could get caught up in the record and not play good football. No, what they do, they played really good football. They beat the crap out of the Colts, and they moved on. And I just think this team, with the way they're playing over the last three weeks, with the way Drew Brees in particular is playing, in the Dome, might be his last game ever in New Orleans. I just think there's so much that weighs in on this. I I know Minnesota's good. I think Minnesota has a better roster than the Saints. I'll go that far to say I think they have a better roster than the New Orleans Saints. But you know what Minnesota doesn't have better? They don't have a better quarterback. And for that reason alone, and the way he's playing, and with the way Sean Payton's got these guys fired up, and the way this team constantly lets you know they feel disrespected on a weekly basis, and they feel like they haven't gotten their respect, I'm going Saints. I'm going Saints 35-28 over the Vikings, if that's the score, then God bless, because I don't think I'll have to feel, you know, anxiety the whole time. I won't be anxious every single play. If it's 35-28 to 28 and they win by a touchdown, it's a win-win. They win the game, and I don't think we stress out as much. Do I think they're going to beat the crap out of the Vikings like some people are predicting? Probably not, because I think Kirk Cousins is going to play a little bit better than some people think. But I think when it matters, Drew Brees is going to make the right throws. He's going to get hot in the second half against a Zimmer defense that he found holes in the last time they played in the playoffs. And I just think with the you know the crowd behind them, they'll find a way to make it work. So I think the Saints are going to beat the Vikings. And if it happens, I'll talk to you guys next week about who they're going to end up facing and how they'll end up faring in the NFC Divisional Round. But one game at a time, one step at a time, and we'll see if the Saints can advance to the Divisional Round. But that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy and the Big App. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I wish you um, good luck for this game. I mean, we're all going to be nervous. There's no beating around the bush here. I'll be live tweeting the game as always. Um, so we'll see what's going on. Hopefully no panic, but we'll, we'll tell early in the game, like I said before. But yet again, thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And let's hope the Saints beat the Vikings and get revenge for the 2017 playoffs.